divides. Soul and spirit joints in the mirror, discern of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The word of God gets to us and changes us powerfully. And so I just want to encourage you that pray for all the evangelists. Pray for them that God will use them and bless them and strengthen them as they go out into different places. And uh, Nathan's going to go to Ethiopia. Don't forget to pray for him and sow into that ministry also. And um, Eli, I don't know, I don't think Eli's here today. He is going also to Pakistan in two months' time. So the guys are getting out there doing what God wants them to do. I mean, give them all a hand. I love them with all my heart. Praise the Lord. Okay, I want to speak to you about a chosen generation. Um, that's the title of my message this morning. Uh, the, the voice of God and the word of God. Um, it has always been like that. The voice and the word. The voice and the word. You'll find it from the beginning of time. It'll be all the way through the end of time. There's always a voice from God and there's a word from God that has come to humanity to change humanity, to change those that respond. Without the voice, without the word, there is no life. There's no beginning of life. He is the word. He is the word. Jesus is the word. Well, it's from the beginning. In the beginning was the word. And, um, and he is our be all and end all. We start life with him and uh, we will be in eternity with him. Amen. He is our Lord and our Savior. And we thank God for that. There are basically uh, four epochs that, uh, that are, are, are part of, uh, going to be part of the human race, enough being part of the, of the human race. In fact, three of them have, and we are still in the third. And uh, the fourth is a very exciting one when Jesus will come and set up his kingdom. And that is what I believe. Amen. A thousand years where humanity will see, wow, this is how it could have been under Jesus as he sets up kingdom, as he rules and reigns, and we see his majesty. And uh, so I'm going to get into that a little bit later. But the first epoch was uh, obviously when God spoke to, to Adam. And, uh, and one morning he went looking for Adam, and Adam was hiding. You know the story. And uh, the voice of God said, where are you, Adam? And uh, because of, of the sin and the turning uh, away from what God expected of him, he listened to the voice of the serpent, and God had to give humanity a word. And uh, I will send someone that will crush the head of Satan. Amen. I'm going to send someone, and we know that is Jesus, Yeshua. And he will crush the head of, the, of Satan. And, uh, um, and through, through Jesus, there will be hope for all humanity. A word came to Adam, and that word has come through to us all along. And so the innocence is lost. That age of innocence just was not a long age, but it went because of man's sin. Man turned his back on God. And uh, so we see that there was uh, um, a rebellion, as it were, even in the Garden of Eden, man has to listen to the voice of God, but he failed, and God has to give him a word to say, there is someone coming that will turn this around. And we thank God for the Lord Jesus Christ. And then with that age of innocence passes on, well, short, but then they go into the age of conscience, and, you, and that is uh, 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 
was, was, was a, a disaster. <laughs> and we still see that today people want to say, I will do what I want to do. And what is the result of that? A world in chaos this morning. A world is in chaos this morning because they say they will do what they want to do, be what they want to do. And if they want to change what they are, they will even say it, even though they're not going to change. And they'll act in different ways, but trying to turn around what God has made of them and what God has destined them actually to be. Confusion. That is what we see happening. And so the age of conscience where men just did what they wanted to do. And in fact, in the book of Judges, it said at the end of Judges, and they did, every man did what, what, what he thought was right in his eyes. What do we see now? We see it in the universities. We see it, uh, I, I follow a lot of stuff from the United States. And this is basically what they're saying. I will be what I want to be. And you're not going to change that. And so law, the law of the land is overturned. And it's, it's being overturned in many nations now. But um, the age of conscience is really a disastrous age. And when men and women, even we see now in the world today, that they want to just do what they want to do, be what they want to be. But I want to tell you something. There's only disaster going to come out of it all. As the nations come against nations. I, it, 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 it's, it's, it's almost... They're ridiculous to watch the news nowadays. And you see all the disasters and the, and the pain and the suffering and the hurt. And um, I, I tell you, um, my heart goes out to people in Gaza as I see the disaster and the children dying and the whole thing. Um, and I see um, I, what I see in scripture is that the nations are gonna come against Israel. They're gonna come against Israel and they're gonna fight against Israel. You see, it's written, it's going to happen. But the only person that can change it for an individual and even for a nation is Jesus himself. He has to come powerfully into a life and into the life of a nation. This United Kingdom at one stage sent missionaries throughout the world. They were born again, they were strong in God. But what happened? Something happened over, over, history, over time. And uh, the whole thing was turned around as we see it now here in the United Kingdom. People don't even bother to go to church. They don't need, and and uh, something has gone wrong in the nation. And we have to pray that God's going to turn it around. Amen. Let's pray as, we, as Pastor Lily said, we're going to pray, pray, pray. And let the evangelists go out and declare that God is still God. Jesus is still King. Amen. And the kingdom of God will come mightily and powerfully as we declare the kingdom in Jesus' name. Amen. And so the, um, the first epoch, uh, that age of conscience, was, uh, was a disaster, and the, the living by conscience still now is a disaster. You have to have the word of God to guide you, to, to lead you, and to show you the way. And the second epoch was the law of Moses. Man cannot thrive under law. That's what I, I wrote here. Man cannot thrive under law. You need the grace of God. You need the input of the Spirit of God. And then law is easy because it's written in your heart. If it's not written in your heart, how hard it is when you just hear it in the head, but it's not in the heart. And that is what Jesus came to do. He says, I'll put my laws in, in their hearts and there'll be a new, a new, uh, a new a kingdom, a new pe a person, new people that are born again and know 
the, the blessing of God. And then we have this wonderful epoch, the, 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 the grace age under Jesus, Messiah, this age that we are now living in. And the, I, I want to just encourage all of you to not be disaster-minded, <laughs> to not be, well, it's all going to end badly, so let's just uh, tuck our little heads in bed and uh, watch, it, watch the disaster come. And that's not what God wants from us as the children of God. He wants us to be bold and brave and to declare thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. Come on, Jesus said it. When you pray, let thy kingdom come and let thy will be done on earth. This wonderful age of grace that has seen multitudes come into the kingdom. And now we're coming to the end of this age of grace. This epoch that is so coming to the end, we can see it. And, um, you know, somehow as, as Christians, as people that love God and know God, we know where history is going. If only the world would listen. <laughs> if only they would listen to um, all the evangelists in the world and, and, and the parliaments would say, let's call in the Christians. Let's call in the men of God and see how we can turn this around. Amen. We want to see that happen. That would be wonderful. But it needs a voice. It needs the voice of the church and it needs courage from the children of God for this, this, this epoch because it is coming to an end, it's drawing to a close. But uh, this, the final epoch, and I'm just gonna mention that quickly because we'll get to it a little later, is the future, future epoch described in the revelation of Jesus, the apocalypsis that will take place. And that is going to be a wonderful season when Jesus comes and he rules for a thousand years and uh, we shall rule with him. And I'm gonna get to that scripture in just a moment. And so we know where history is going, and I'm glad that I know the one who holds history in his hands. And so do you. Amen? We, we know him, whom to know is life eternal. Exodus 19, 46. Uh, you have seen what I do to the Egyptians, what I did to the Egyptians. This is the, the, the age of law, and Moses is writing. And he says, uh, he writes, and the Lord says, you have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, the voice and the word, the voice and the word, I want you to get that in your heart this morning, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. If you keep the word, listen to the, the voice of God, keep the word, you will be a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. You will be a special people. Now that was to them in that under the law. And uh, what a powerful time it could have been if people could keep the law, but it's, as we know from experience, without the regenerating spirit of God, you cannot keep law. And so they fail. But the fact of the matter is this, that there's the voice of God and the word of God. The voice comes, the word is there, the covenant is there for us to keep and to experience the Lord. 
I was just reading parts of Exodus and when they, the children of Israel came out of Egypt and they uh, landed at a place called Rephidim and Rephidim means the place of rest and there they were, they had left Egypt behind, they were weary, they were tired and the Amalekites come, the Amalekites come and they say they are easy pickings. Let's take them out. <laughs> Let's take the children of out. We can destroy them. We can break them before they go further. But, you know, God says to, to, to um, Moses, just choose some good men, some strong guys. You don't have much armament because you haven't had time to prepare for this. But, uh, Moses, you get up on the hill. So Moses gets up on the hill. And you know the story that they go to, into battle with the Amalekites. And there the Amalekites come with all their weaponry and the whole lot. And there's Israel, just with the little thing they've got. But you know what the difference was? Moses on the mountain. And it says that he hand, his hands were lifted up by uh, Aaron and her. And in his hand was the rod, the rod that struck the water. And if you know, just before this incident, Moses used that rod to strike the rock and the water came out. And he wasn't supposed to strike the rock. He was supposed to speak to the rock. And because of that, listen to me, because of that, he could not enter into the promised land. You see, when God gives a word, when God gives a word, it has to stand and it will stand, whether your name is Moses or Abe. <laughs> or oh, John <laughs> whoever you are the word of God is quick and powerful the word of God stands forever and so Moses misses it he just misses it there but he strikes it in anger twice you see that really is a picture of Jesus that was struck Jesus was only struck once and so there the type is broken but he was supposed to speak to that rock that rock and it was there that the water would have gushed forward. But what I'm trying to say to you is this, no man is above the word. No man, no person here this morning is above the word of God. If the word of God says, come to Jesus, repent and be born again. That word will stand for you. It'll stand for King Charles. It'll stand for Abe, it'll stand for John, Brian, it's a word that God gives, and it is an eternal word. You have to bow the knee to Jesus. When you bow your knee to Jesus, you shall be saved. You shall be born again. And so the word works for everybody. And if we, if we put our faith in that word, we shall be saved. Amen. And so the Amalekites attack, and they are defeated. And you know... Um, just, uh, just a little thought that uh, those Amalekites, through the, the chronological lines of the Amalekites, we see they still a pain today. They still a pain today. In the thorn, they're a thorn in the flesh for Egypt, for for Israel, even now. And so the Amalekites want to take out what God wants to establish always, but God will have the last say. Amen. God will have the last say. And so I want to encourage you to stick there with God. And um, 
so Moses was rebuked in, in, in Numbers 20, as I've just shared that with you today. But there we see in Exodus 19.46 is the word and the covenant. If you keep his word, the covenant works. If you keep his word, the Bible works. If you keep his New Testament promises, it works. It works. Come on. It works for the whosoever will. That is the important issue this morning. 1 Peter 2 verses 1 to 10, but I'm not going to read all of them. And it says these words, a stone of stumbling, a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the word to which they were also appointed. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Now have obtained mercy. You see what Peter here is writing, and he's saying the Jews, under the, the, the dispensation of grace, they, they received all the wonderful promises of God concerning Jesus. But the day came, the day came when Jesus came and they stumbled at the word concerning the Messiah. They stumbled. It's, it's, it's a hard word, isn't it? You fall. You don't, you don't grasp hold of the promise. You, you don't reach out and take what God is presenting in your lifetime. Friend, if you're here this morning, I want to tell you something. Today is a day of opportunity for you. If you don't know Jesus as your savior, today is an opportunity for you to reach out. Don't stumble. Don't fall. God gives men and women, boys and girls, the opportunity in this life to make right for the future. And so you have to grasp it. And so we see in the Old Testament that they, uh, the promises were made by all those prophets as they spoke about the Messiah coming, the one who would turn things around for Israel and give them an eternal destiny in him, that life would come to them and he would live within them. And they failed to respond. They failed to take hold of it. They stumbled at the promises. But we are a chosen generation. You see, the, there's a generation in every, uh, every, every, every generation that comes upon the earth. I think I worked out just the other day, just a very quick one, that if you took 40 years, over 6,000 years, it's about 300 generations. And what, what do I understand from this? That every generation has had an opportunity to respond. Wow. 300 of them. In some way or, or, or the other, whether it was the age of conscience or, or, or under the law, now under grace, respond, respond. Every Christian here this morning, take hold of the promises of God as never before. Don't stumble. That is, is such a burden. I've been praying, you know, I was up early hours, hours, like two o'clock this morning. Oh God, oh God, don't let your church stumble now. Let us rise to the level of God's giving. The level of God's giving is his word. The level of God's giving is his promises and his word. 
take hold. Take hold of what God is doing for us. And they stumbled. But we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a royal priesthood. Let royalty shine through you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, come on. Let royalty shine through you. The royalty of priesthood. It says in the Old Testament, it says, I'll make a royal, a, a, a royal people out of you, a royal priesthood. To us, he says, you're a, a, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. What, what a gifting from God to be a priesthood, but not just wearing a cap and a long gown, <laughs> but a royalty in your personality, in your life that shines through your very being, that you belong to someone, the smile on your face, the way you live, the way you give, the way you respond to your neighbors, the way you are as a person born again, changed by the power of God. There's power in that. Carry it like a royal person. Amen. King Abe. <laughs> King John. That's a good one. <laughs> King Nathan. When you get on those platforms in Ethiopia, the royalty shine. Hallelujah. That royalty shine. There's no need for us to be ashamed of who we proclaim. We can speak it boldly in Jesus' name. Amen. When you leave here, I'll say, cheers, royalty. <laughs> Enjoy your day. Live for God as never before. Hallelujah. A chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation. Amen? But you know, the epoch that's coming is going to be marvelous. And they sang a new song, Revelation 5, 9 to 10. And uh, they sang a new song, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood. Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And have made us kings and priests to our God. And we shall reign on the earth and I, I believe in the a millennial reign amen you may not I feel sorry for you but I believe <laughs> that for a thousand years when he comes back and he says come on King Abe <laughs> King John <laughs> kings and priests we're going to rule and reign with him for a thousand years nations are still going to produce and we will rule and reign, and the world will see how it could have been when Jesus comes. No more climate crisis. <laughs> this climate crisis drives me dilly. Amen? But when he comes, no climate crisis. Everything works. The crops are big, the maize is this high. Oh, and, 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 and everything works under Jesus. That is the truth of the matter. And we rule and reign. And uh, we share uh, the kingdom message of Jesus is Lord of Lords. And as you know, at the end of that, people again, the devil is released and tries people and tests them to see if they are loyal truly to Jesus or if they still want to do it my way. 
Do you want to do it your way? You're going to fail. Do it God's way. You know, God gives every generation the opportunity to say, I will do it God's way or I will do it my way. Amen. May God bring us to a place in our hearts where we realize that there's a great future ahead for all of us. Stay, stay faithful. Be bold and live your life for the Lord Jesus Christ, and we shall reign on the earth. Every generation is really, under God is a chosen generation. Whether they were in the Old Testament or the New Testament, every generation that serves God is a chosen generation. And they will all be there, right from Adam through all, right through to the last Old Testament saint and prophets. They will all be there for a thousand years and we shall rule and reign with them and see them eyeball to eyeball, these great men that God raised up. But the important, and, and I shared this with you, the important command is always to obey the voice and the word of God. A chosen generation has to do that. And uh, so it, it's, it's on our shoulders now. It's on our shoulders now. Greatness is in... Uh, there's greatness as we stand on the shoulders of others. But the greatest shoulder that we stand on is Jesus. Someone gave me a coin. <laughs> and on that two pound, there's a, what is it we are standing on? Great shoulders or something like that. Standing on the shoulders of giants. Isn't that amazing? We're standing on the shoulders of our Jesus. King of kings and Lord of lords. We can't fail if we stand on his shoulders. Amen? Amen? The power of walking with God. Enoch, you know, he didn't have a law to live by. All he had was communion with God. And when I say all he had, <laughs> wow, <laughs> he had it. You know, he was such a great man. It says he walked with God and was not for God took him. What a man of God. And Enoch, in his time, a thousand years after Adam, a thousand years. And then we have the flood that came as the age of, 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 of conscience just went so crazy that God says, I'm sorry that I even made a man. But God says, okay, I'm going to find a man. His name is Noah and his family. And they are rescued by that flood. And God intervenes, takes out, it could be giants and all sorts of things that were just going so wrong in the world at that time. God takes them out and starts again. But you know, the heart of man just is so corrupt that again, God has to intervene. And so we see uh, that uh, Noah's flood was 1,600 years after Adam. Abraham called about 2,000 years after Adam. And so Abraham gets a word from God, and, um, and uh, God says to him, get out of Ur of Chaldees, come out, and um, I'm going to make a great nation of you. And there this man takes hold of what God says, and 
what is written is very clear as Abraham responds in every way to what God wants him to do. Difficult times, made some mistakes, but he, you know, he responded to God in an amazing way. And thank God for him that Abraham um, bowed the knee to God and Isaac was born and from Isaac, the whole nation of Israel is started in an amazing way. And then Moses is called after that um, at the burning bush. And you know the story of Moses. Moses gets a word from God. The bush is burning, but it's not consumed. But there's a voice. Get to Egypt and rescue the people. So he gets the voice of God and the word of God, the covenant is followed. And so Moses gets that, that word to go and rescue Israel powerfully and takes them uh, out of Egypt into the promised land. And we know that story, how that uh, Moses so challenges uh, Pharaoh with those plagues and the people come out with a mighty hand of God and, uh, and the nation is rescued and brought into the promised land eventually. And so the Israelites are called uh, also with the voice and the word of God. And the prophets also always heard the voice of God. They wrote the word of God for the people of God. And that's just what I want you to get in your heart this morning. The voice and the word. The voice and the word. The two go together. The two go together. If you hear the voice of God and the Holy Spirit speaking to you, wonderful. But there's the word of God which never fails. The two together, what a combination. When you hear the voice of God and you respond to the word of God, you are dynamite in the hand of God. Amen? And so we see this throughout history, that this is the way that God works, through the voice and through the word of God. And then John the Baptist, as you know, he comes along, a voice in the wilderness. Amen? Crying out, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. The voice, the voice of God. Speaking through John, preparing the way of the Lord. And so John comes very boldly and prepares for the Lord Jesus to come. And then Jesus came. And I just uh, want to share this with you on the Mount of Transfiguration. It was Peter, James, and John. They went up into that Mount of Transfiguration. And uh, a voice came from heaven and said, this is my Beloved son, in whom I am well pleased, hear ye him. Hear ye him. The voice came through, and it is encouraging and powerful as it comes. Hear ye him. And this is the same Peter that writes the epistle of Peter and encourages the people to say, by saying that they are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Don't despise the word of God. Don't despise the, the, the action of God's word. And then he even goes on to say that if someone speaks, 1 Peter 4 verse 11, he says, get to a place in your life where as a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, you speak the oracles of God. You speak as the oracle of God. Don't be ashamed of what, you got, what you've got in Christ Jesus. And I say this to the evangelists, 
stand boldly. I just love it when I hear them. They send me all these little things every Saturday evening. And there they're on the streets of Manchester or wherever they are, <laughs> speaking the voice, of, the voice of God, the voice of the scripture, boldly declaring the goodness of God. And, uh, but speak the oracles of God, the voice and the word. Let it flow from you in an amazing way. And don't be ashamed of it. 1 Peter 4 verse 7. And uh, Peter writes again and he says these things. He says, but the end of all things is at hand. You see, they were expecting Jesus to come any moment. But we know from history and from the way we see things that this period of 2,000 years is now drawing to a close very quickly. This period is coming to an end. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, now listen to this, be serious and watchful in your prayers. Can I say this to all of you? Get serious with God. Be watchful. As you see signs in the nation, things happening in the world, things happening in Bradford, get serious with God for your family, for your neighbor, for your residential area, for your city, for the United Kingdom, for the whole of UK. England, Ireland, Scotland, and Wales. May the church of Jesus get serious. This is what Peter was saying. Get serious with God. Things at end. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. The epoch is drawing to a close. The time is coming to an end when Jesus will come. But there's still great tribulation coming. Be serious. Become a person of prayer and intercede powerfully uh, for, for your nation, for your family, and for those that you love. Peter was martyred in 67 AD. Paul was martyred in 64 AD, both under the, under the leadership of Nero in Rome. Peter said, you won't crucify me like Jesus was, you turn me upside down. I will die. I'm not worthy to die the way he died. And so they crucified him upside down and Peter died a martyr's death and so did Paul. Both men only, only I think in their 60s. But you know what? In their time, they'd accomplished so much. They'd spread the gospel through the then known world, written the epistles, and they were ready to lay down their lives for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Not afraid to go and die for their King. John, the one that wrote the uh, Apocalypse, the, the book of Revelation, he was sent to the Isle of Patmos under Domitian a uh, Roman emperor, and it says that he, he didn't stop preaching. He was a, such an enormous preacher of the gospel, an evangelist, uh, a prophet in his own right, as God moved through him by the Spirit. And it said of John that he went to the Isle of Patmos and there wrote the, the revelation, the apocalypse that as we have it, the book of Revelation, 
describing this epoch that is about to hit the world right now. Soon, 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 come on. Soon Jesus is about to return. And so he writes, and uh, he uh, was, uh, uh, you know, just looking at certain historical things. The church throughout the world then could not have been more than 50 to 60 years old. A young church. But yet, they had the epistles, they shared them amongst all the churches in Asia Minor or wherever they were. And uh, when, when the gospel was preached and the power of God hit those churches and the people in those cities, in, in, in uh, modern day Turkey, uh, Asia Minor, it's, it's amazing what happened under Paul as the, as the miracles were performed, as they took the gospel into those areas. Uh, the church was established. And, um, and so uh, uh, it, it's, it's, it's this, this Peter that writes and says, we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And he, he was hanging on to those words, I guess, when they were crucifying him. He was just saying, oh God, wherever we've planted your church, keep them faithful. Keep them faithful. But I want to share some thoughts with you now as we see what happened to the church. I think John came back, uh, back to Ephesus and um, after being released, I think he was released from Patmos, but he brought back that revelation uh, that he received from the Lord. And, um, and in the first chapter, the two chapters, chapter two and chapter three, he writes, these words, and they, they are almost heartbreaking in some cases about what happened to the church within a period of 30, 40, 50 years. Something happened to the church, and he writes, and he says, God gave him a revelation of what had happened to the church in the city of Ephesus. He says, you've lost your first love. Revelation 2 verse 4. Something has happened to your love for God. Only 40 years later, they'd seen miracles, they'd seen lives changed, they'd seen the city changed. What happened to them? They lost their first love. Brother, if, sister, if you're sitting here this morning and you're not so on fire for Jesus, I, wanna, I want to <laughs> instill in you again. Love God with all your heart. Let it never be said of Bradford they lost their first love. <laughs> they may have. <laughs> Something has gone wrong. But you know what? It doesn't have to happen in this church. Come on. If I can stir underneath you dynamite this morning, I would put it in there. <laughs> and let something happen within your heart. Don't lose your first love. Yes, John writing. And I can see as he sees what is going on? He's saying, oh Lord, we preached the gospel. We were faithful in, in raising up the church. What has gone wrong? The enemy has come and stolen away first love for Jesus. First love for Jesus. Ephesus, Smyrna, a persecuted church. He, he writes to, uh, about them and he says, be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. Persecution is a reality in the churches uh, throughout many parts of the world. Pray for them that they will be strong and hold on to Jesus. Come on, pray for them. 
You say, what shall we pray for? Pray for first love to come back. Pray for the, the persecuted church. Come on. All we can do sometimes is just pray, bless me, bless my mother, bless my father, bless my children, good night, Lord. Is, is that us? No. God is birthing something in our hearts. Come on. And if it takes a South African to do something in your heart this morning, <laughs> let it be done in the name of Jesus. <laughs> May he stir something deep in your soul that you will stir up a love in your brother and sister. If you see someone lagging and dragging, come on, lift them up. If you see someone that's persecuted, or we know the churches are persecuted in certain parts of the world, come on, a great revival is happening in Iran. Do you know that? Thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people coming, but great persecution. Stand with them in the name of Jesus. To Pagamas, oh, they allowed the teaching of Balaam, the money maker. <laughs> Do you know the story of Balaam? And he paid off someone to prophesy, and, and all for the sake of mullah, money. Mullah is a word we use in South Africa. You use it? Mullah, yeah. Money, money, money. You know what, friends? I've said this before. <laughs> Don't be bought with money. Don't sell your soul because of money. Be sold out for Jesus. And it was the Balaam teaching and the Nicolaitans, Gnosticism, which they had people going into the churches, speaking stuff that was, has had no background in Scripture. Things that they were just thinking of. Writing, I see so much on the internet, and I just say, oh, Lord, take me back to the word. <laughs> Let's get our feet grounded, amen, solidly grounded. And then the, the church of Thyatira, the Jezebel spirit, sexual immorality, eat things, sacrifice to idols. Sad. And then it goes to chapter 3, Sardis, you have a name that you are alive, but you are dead. Go to the church and it's dead. Can't even sing joyfully. Have no hope in their hearts. Have no message of hope for anyone. Friends, we are not going to die sitting in our pews. <laughs> Amen. We're going to be alive. Come on. And so this is what John sees. Philadelphia, oh, you're a faithful church. You've kept my word. You've not denied my name. You've kept the word that came, and you've kept the covenant of God. There they are, the Philadelphian church. And then the Pagamas church, the, um, I mean the, uh, the Sardis church. You have a name that you are alive but not dead. And then the Philadelphia church, faithful church, the Laodicean church. You are lukewarm. Listen to what John sees there. He says, the Lord says, I will vomit you out of my mouth. I will vomit you out of my mouth. You're neither hot nor cold. You're just walking along your little Christian life. You are ice cold for God. I hope I've stirred a fire in your heart this morning. I hope so. I hope that something is going to, if, if any of these issues that I've mentioned here this morning touches your heart this morning, say, Lord, I'm going to root this thing out. I'm not going to be cold. I'm not going to be lukewarm. 
I'm not going to be a softy in the kingdom of God. I'm going to live the word, that word that came. I'm going to live in your word, your written word, your covenant word. And I'm going to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit to be a life changer, a city changer, a nation changer as we bring kingdom into the, into the life of the church again in Jesus' name. Amen? Come on. Let's do it. The solution is this, just very briefly. I've just got another hour, but it's not too bad. <laughs> the solution is this. Number one, that we become a praying church. A praying church. You know, I, 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 hats off to you folk here in Bradford. I've, I've seen you walk in here, it's snowing, icy, you walk in. <laughs> in South Africa, mm, if it snows, mm, mm. <laughs> But, yeah, you're used to this cold weather. You see, I'm, I'm even, I'm free. <laughs> this, this morning I'm free. <laughs> it's a nice warm day. But what, I, what I'm, I'm saying to you is this, become a praying church, that we, we have a time together where we put our voices together and we call on the name of the Lord and we bring revival to our family, to our home, to our neighborhood and to the city, amen, to, to Yorkshire, to wherever. Oh, I had a call from uh, some, some brethren just from one of the local churches. They want to get together to start praying for the city. Ooh, I said, yes. I said, we're doing that. He said, oh, you are? <laughs> yes. I said, yes, we are. We are praying for revival for the city. So we're going to get together with some of these churches. And, um, and then they're also going to um, get some ministry going uh, in the red light district here in, in Bradford. And I think uh, Natasha has been in touch with them. And uh, so those of you that are strong enough to handle that, get involved. I mean, a praying church, a word-based church. What is the, loose, the solution to the end time church? A word-based church. We stand on the word. We preach the word. Amen. We have tea afterwards, but we preach the word. <laughs> A little bit of tea makes the word go down. <laughs> Yorkshires can't do without tea. That is what I've realized. But I agree with it. <laughs> a worshiping church. A worshiping church. A church that is full of worship for God. What a church. An end time church. A worshiping church that takes home the worship and through the week is a worshiping church that comes together to present to the world, even on the streets. Who are these people that sing like this? I mean, we even had a little guy last year. He came and gave you some money and he, and he put it down where Darren was, was singing. And he says, oh, those are such nice songs. And he, he, he got some money from his dad and he thought that was a good thing. I thought, my boy, that's a good thing. You've given it to Jesus. <laughs> There's a heart that was softened. But let me just say this, a worshiping 
church. The end time church must be a worshiping church, a compassionate church that looks after the broken and the bruised, that gets out on the red, in the red light district and to, to, to help those that are, are, are broken and bruised. A church that is involved in community. A church that is involved in the brokenness of humanity. Getting out there. A church that is a five-fold ministry church. I want an amen, please. No, that's not good. Fivefold, not onefold. Come on. Fivefold. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. God raised them up. Amen. Raise them up. Bring this church alive. Make your church alive through the, the ministry gifts through the prophetic and uh, the apostolic and the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers. Oh God, raise them up. An apostolic church is the solution. Not a one-man church. An apostolic church where every man is busy for God, equipping saints for the work of the ministry. That is their job, to equip you for the work of the ministry. Hallelujah. Strong in the Lord, uh, uh, in, in, in prayer and, and intercession. Ephesians 6, 10 to 20. And, and Paul was so, so, wrote so powerfully. He says, we, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. Be prepared to become a wrestler. <laughs> Come on. There's not a wrestler that I've ever watched. You know, I've watched some of those guys. Oh, man. How they, how they, where they get the energy from. And I'm saying, Lord, this is us. Get that spiritual energy where we don't give up, but we lay hold of principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world. And we tear down the things that are coming against the body of Christ and the church in the United Kingdom. The church in the UK needs to stand up. And you know, I, I read just this week that uh, there are some Church of England folks now, they're just putting their foot down. You say, we're not going that route. Oh, there's going to be a rumble in the jungle. <laughs> it's going to be a rumble in the jungle. And may they, may they come forth as pure gold. May they take hold of the truth and set men free and set women free. And may God give them revival. It may not be the kind that we used to, but may God give the Church of England revival that people will come and bow the knee to Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We've seen what has been written, but you know, take hold of what has been written for you and about you. And make it work for you. Amen. Belong to a church where you are not half spiritually naked. But be clothed in the armor of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Breastplate of righteousness. Loins covered with the truth of God's word. Helmet of salvation. Feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. The shield of faith. Sword of the spirit. Which is the word of God. Going to battle, half dressed, 
Forget about it. Forget about it. Amen? You get yourself equipped. Come into the presence of God daily and say, Lord, I'm here. It's me. Help me to pray in the spirit like never before. I believe praying in the spirit is praying in the spirit. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Praying in tongues. But also with the understanding. Because at the end of Ephesians 6, there where Paul writes about this to, to the Christians, to fight against principalities, powers, rulers, darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness. Then he says, put on the armor of God. Praying with all manner of prayer. All manner of prayer. Stand. When God starts to wake you. Oh, in fact, I've prayed that God's going to start waking you up. The older you get, the less you sleep. Because we realize we've got so little time. <laughs> so we make up for it. In the early hours of the morning, we make up for it. But I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray that God starts to speak to you and get you up. You start interceding for the nation. Come on. Come on. Five o'clock. Can I have a four o'clock? <laughs> a four o'clock. A three o'clock. A three o'clock. If it's a three o'clock, you're a watchman on the wall. Do you know that? That's Old Testament. They stood on the wall. They would three o'clock watch and they would pray all until the sun came up because that was the hour when the enemy could attack, when everyone was sleepy and dozy. But when they are sleeping, you know, Dozy, <laughs> you're going to be in touch with God. Do it in Jesus' name. This is the end time church, the one that excites us. Amen? A chosen generation. Imagine that. When we get to glory, God looks at the Bradford church and he says, Oh, I'm proud of you. <laughs> you chosen generation. You royal priesthood. You holy nation. You carried my word. With dignity. Glory to God. Glory to God. We have to make it to the end. We have to make it to the end. And if we take each other by the hand, the spiritual hand, we make it to the end. Revelation 5.10 He has made us kings and priests unto our God and we shall reign on the earth for that thousand years. That's our destiny in the Lord. But until that moment comes, let's be the church. Come on, let's stand. Okay, I've preached myself happy. <laughs> But we're going to sing ourselves happy now. Yes. Can we have that song up? Um, yeah. Bow your head in the presence of God, but sing. Lord, we honor you. We honor your, 
your word. We honor your voice. When we hear your voice, Lord, we want to take hold of your word. We want to be faithful to what you're doing now in this generation. We're not going to let hold get let go of you, Lord. A thousand generations falling down in worship. We will join with the saints, Lord, on that wonderful day. But till that day comes, we're going to be faithful to you to do what you want us to do. Mm-hmm. Come on, let's see.
this morning, you've never yet committed your life to Jesus, you've never received him as your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity this morning. Would you raise your hand right now to say, yes, sir, I want to receive Jesus. I want to receive Christ as my Lord and Savior. I want to be included in that glorious family called a holy generation, a called out generation. Is there anyone here this morning who's never yet raised your life and given your life to Jesus? Is there someone here this morning? Would you raise your hand? Just as I looked for the last time. Yes, God bless you. God bless you. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you. We thank you for our time with you this morning. I pray for every person here that we will go to new heights, new heights in you, to experience your love, your power, your blessing, your anointing. Father, I pray that the giftings of God will be distributed that the fruit of the Spirit will manifest. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, as never before. Let your church, let your church rise. A glorious church. Lord, do it. May this church stand out as a God-loving, word-loving people-loving church. Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Bless the families, bless the individuals here this morning. Touch those that need a touching body, even now as we pray, because by the stripes of Jesus we are healed. And we declare that over our bodies, each and every one of us, we say we are strong in you and healed in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Pray for our young people. Pray for the, the junior church. Oh, Father, raise up a generation. Fiery, fiery generation for you. In Jesus' name. Thank you for our time together. Thank you for presencing yourself with us. We honor you, Lord. We love you. Keep us in the hollow of your hand, Lord. In Jesus' name. And the people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you and God bless you. Amen. <clears throat>